is the curiosity as to where we are, what we are. Existence, the physical universe, is basically playful. Welcome to the Curious Humans podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Miller. Our guest today is Mr. Dan Burgess, who in my mind is the archetype of a ridiculously curious human. He's built a career around helping creative leaders rediscover their mojo through immersing them in nature. And he's worked with some of the most innovative and inspiring brands. He's kickstarted a global movement to reconnect kids with nature. And he's founded and built a global creative generosity network. And he guest lectures on co-creating the emerging future. And he's also a former club DJ, as well as a trail running, surf obsessed dad. I was so grateful for the long walks and the the meandering conversations that we shared in Portugal. And Dan's enthusiasm for life is so contagious. And he's someone who really believes in the extraordinary possibilities for the future. All right, without further ado, I give you my wide ranging and hopefully mind expanding conversation with Mr. Dan Burgess. We've had a pretty, uh, pretty amazing few days here. It's been, it's been pretty intense, body surfing and long walks along the beach here in Portugal. And yeah, um, I'd love to hear from you, like, is, was, were there any moments that kind of stood out or any highlights or any kind of magical moments? Yeah, there was, there was definitely some of those. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I feel like, I feel like, I've sort of, you know, it's a wave, I feel like I had sort of waves of, uh, of stimulation over the last few days. Um, what are the things I, was, I don't remember when I was writing down this morning? Um, I mean, there's been some amazing things that people have just kind of thrown into the mix. Mm. That's, I've, I've kind of enjoyed that. Um, some of these moments where it kind of, you know, you, you've got, there's some facilitation going on, but the space is really, um, the invitation to participate is, is really live. So mm. um, I've loved it when people have just, you know, popped up and you did a session one morning, meditation session, mm, I thought mm, it was great. Mm. Um, listening to Juan at the end of the day when he did that whole... Yeah, uh, that was great, dolphin wasn't it? Turtle. Really spontaneous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I love that. I love those things, you know, where there's yeah. a sort of... Um, it's kind of led by the participants, right? Yeah, exactly. There's a, and, and, and the space has been created where that feels, you know, people feel, you know, safe and that they can experiment a bit and they can yeah. bring things in. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's that's been that's been pretty magic. Um, I did actually really, uh, you know, with reflection, the the body surfing actually was quite a moment. I think. Mm. Um, I think why I liked it was, well, it was the first morning, right? So there was a kind of a was the first morning. It was the first. It morning. was yeah yeah. yeah. There was um, kind of a sense of anticipation of exactly, getting into the sea. Exactly. Like, but I quite like the idea that because you know we're all kind of surfers of different abilities and completely yeah. and all sorts. And I thought it was quite a smart move to sort of just kind of level everything. It like levels the playing field, doesn't <laughs> yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like we're all going to just try and body surf. It's yeah. It's sort of minimal way, I guess. Yep. Um, kit free. Um, and I really, I enjoyed that. I thought it was a really interesting way of um, getting a kind of, of a group of, a, a collective, I guess, mm. off and started. Mm. Um, I think I find it quite humbling as well because I've done a lot of surfing, but actually standing in the shore dump and just getting <laughs> yeah, yeah, pounded yeah. Yeah, yeah. By, by these waves is actually, it's a reminder of like what it's like to be a beginner again. Yeah. And also the, you know, the power of the ocean. Yeah, exactly. I think that was, uh, I think that was smart and uh and there was a moment, I think, where I actually kind of got everything kind of came together with the hand plane. I actually mm. really felt myself flying. I was like, yeah, I can do this. This is good. <laughs> um, but no, I mean, um, just and some magic conversations, really, you know, mm. just, just those conversations with um, yeah, yeah. with people over the, over the few days that have come outside of the sessions um, and just things people have said. I've really enjoyed listening, you know, just listening to other, other stories. Mm. That's been a really interesting part because I think... I certainly got you know been quite caught up um lots of stuff going on I've c- came here quite 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 um, on the back of quite a lot of uh, of hecticness so just mm. sometimes just having that having the space to just uh, sit back a bit and just listen to mm. other stories I found that I find that very um mm. yeah sort of quite yeah regenerative that just you know the ability just to sort of kick back and listen to some other perspectives mm. um mm. And there's some stories that came out. It was some, it was some extraordinary stories. Yeah, so. no, they really have been. And I've, so one of the reasons that I was so excited to kind of have this conversation here is I feel like, I don't know, we had so many uh, very wide ranging conversations yeah. like along these um, beautiful cliffs here yeah. in Portugal. And 
I know that you also have your own podcast, mm. um, the Spaceship Earth podcast, and I'd love to hear about a bit of the you know, the inception behind that and the kind of conversations that you're looking to curate and you know what's your motivation for for doing this as well yeah nice um yeah so so god there's a few strands going on here so the first one i guess my I, I, there's a slight pull to kind of audio because mm-hmm. of my past so i was um mm. i was a uh, um uh for about 10 years of my sort of younger youth probably sort of like 20 onwards i was i did a lot of djing mm. um and traveled quite a lot worked three four nights a week mm. um and through that got into internet radio um early late 90s or early 2000s um and got got involved in a in a internet radio startup which was fantastic but ridiculous at the same time because like only about 10 people had broadband I think, in the UK. <laughs> and, uh, so we sort of built this studio we built this kind of studio out of a garden shed and we soundproofed this garden shed uh, it's called space fm and and um and and the idea was to try to create really great shows of you know um working with sort of different little indie electronic labels and okay. uh, yeah, yeah. but also trying to bring not just the music but trying to bring kind of interviews and things into mm. play and so I started doing a, a weekly show okay um which I used to love um and so uh so I've always kind of liked the idea of uh you know some form of radio sort of audio thing going on yeah but that was back then that was kind of like um yeah, interviewing kind of uh, sort of techno producers and and stuff, and uh, yeah. and, and playing sort of banging house music. But um, <laughs> and but so you know, I've always been interested in that in that sort of audio um, dynamic, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then I think this, you know, the, so that was one thing. And then the spaceship Earth, really. Um, I've dabbled a little bit over the last couple of years with with uh, little podcast experiments, but mm. never really. Um, with much intention around them, just mm. kind of sort of a uh, mm. few experiments. Um, and I think the Spaceship Earth concept is something that I've sort of came across. Um, I came across it through Buckminster Fuller's work. Mm-hmm. But I've, uh, and I guess what was always um, intrigued me about the concept of Spaceship Earth was, you know, at least my understanding was, you know, we live on this planet. This planet is flying through space. <laughs> okay. And most of the time, that in, that in itself for me is, it's pretty cosmic and we don't seem to really talk about it that much. So the whole idea that we're on this kind of this, this planet that's actually hurtling through space, it's kind of a, a life giving rock, if you like. Right. And, uh, and we're all, and all life is playing a part in, in creating those conditions for life. And Mm. actually, Mm. um, the majority of, of, of life that is, that is doing that is non-human life. Mm. Um, uh, and, so that whole idea that, you know, we're all different creatures, organisms, and we're all playing a part in the flying. So therefore we're all crew, you know, yeah. we're all part of the crew. And uh, yeah, yeah. so just that whole concept for me is just, has always been slightly mind blowing. And I've loved it because it's sort of tapped into a little bit about another of my sort of interests, which is um, participation, like sort of shifting to a more to kind of a world where people are fully participating, fully mm. alive, sort of, noticing what's around them able to kind of interact with uh with life versus mm. more of a sort of passive mm. culture that we have what well, i sense we have now Completely. you know through more sort of consumer-led culture and so yeah. so this idea of participation and and becoming kind of crew versus passengers and right it's just a really for me it's always just been a really nice way of kind of um explaining you know a, a different way of living that sort of moves beyond the idea of kind of sustainability it's just a bit more yeah. interesting it's a really powerful metaphor isn't it? yeah exactly exactly so i've been using that metaphor in in uh in my work over a few uh, for the last few years um particularly when working with big groups and we talk about the idea of like trying to understand how life works and operates and this spatial earth idea so this year i decided to set myself a goal of you know, just getting a podcast out, just just doing it mainly for myself and my mm. own sanity. Likewise, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and and yeah. Uh, I sort of thought about the front, you know, what? So what am I going to call this thing? And then it just it just felt I don't know. I just thought Spaceship Earth. You know, that's that's an, it's an idea I like, and it can I think it can hold uh, the kind of conversations I wanted to have, which was um, I guess yeah, the conversations that are with people that I guess are. <laughs> somehow playing with something in their work or their art or whatever it is that is sort of either um uh somehow kind of uh raising awareness of the how of how this 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 earth operates mm. and um or you know so raising consciousness raising awareness mm. um using um reimagining how you know a business could work or an innovation can work but mm. sort of in that more 
I guess the, people are kind of working with these kind of more of this kind of planetary way of looking at the world, right. you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so that was, that, that was really, that was really it. And then, um, and that's what I've been doing. And also just, you know, I can also do the odd, the odd, uh, interview of myself as well, which yeah. is I've done. <laughs> Rambling in the woods. <laughs> Rambling in the woods. Yeah. Which yeah. is, yeah. Well, it was a thing I started, I sort of did three or four, um, uh, interviews, uh, and a lot of them are kind of uh, with uh, folks working on much closer sort of ocean issues right. okay. because I've been doing a, quite a bit of work around that in the last few months. And so that felt that felt natural just to be, I was exploring uh, some of this stuff from from pollution to well-being to kind of uh, looking at even kind of, you know, um, uh, business innovation using kind of recycled plastics and all this kind of stuff. And so I was having those conversations and I thought, well, that's, the, I'm going to, you know, talk to some folks that are, that are doing interesting things in those places. Mm. Um, using creativity, I think, in different ways to kind of help mm. us understand this interconnection. That's, I, I guess that's where I'm, yeah. that's the stuff I'm no, really interested and, in. And one of the things that I, I know you, well, I, I talked to you on your website and mm. you, you yeah, can say that you, um, you're able to help creative leaders like rediscover their mojo mm. through immersing them in nature. <laughs> that's quite and, good, isn't it? Yeah. And like, and, <laughs> Like how does that how does that happen? How does that process work, and mm. why do you think it's so powerful? Yeah, so I guess so. I'm 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 um, I'm definitely not claiming to be some kind of wilderness guru, um, but I definitely <laughs> think like through my journeying over the last decade, I've mm. I've spent a lot of I've invested a lot of my time mm. and um, some energy and exploration and, and you know developed you know been put myself on. Uh, quite a few kind of learning experiences and yeah, yeah. really really part of that was for me to sort of what I've you know I guess rewilding myself like really started right. trying to understand my m how life operates around me and what's what's its impact on me and what can I learn from being more aware of how the natural world works and mm. and through that process of um you know exploring uh, noticing, reflecting, spending time in different environments, mm. journaling, reading, meeting people—you know—really trying to get my, really trying to understand how how the how the kind of more than human world works. Mm. Um, what's been really clear to me is that um, a lot of the things that uh, I was um, often uh, trying to pursue within my professional work, work life which sure. was more sort of you know commercial creativity at the time yeah, yeah. all the things that i can think we were trying to do better have better ideas yeah. um be more collaborative yeah. uh be able to work in a more um you know in a better way with others produce better work faster all these things that were kind yeah. of that kind of narrative that we're, we're being pressured to, to deliver i felt that spending time in more natural spaces and contexts actually really helped all those things happen mm. um and actually working within really kind of con um sort of constructed spaces mm. and uh methods and approaches that are kind of quite linear and sort of i don't know um, artificial artificial yeah. has sort of like yeah so kind of they don't help this process this kind of so yeah. so that was the, that's, i think that's the first thing I, that i found really interesting and in a simple thing because we manifested by just building regular practice that is um, within um, natural context. So that might be, you know, as a, as a team at work, just building in, you know, I don't know, once a week, once a month, whatever it might be, but some, you know, some ideas time, some reflection time, mm. but out in natural spaces. And mm. that doesn't have to be like, you know, if you're working in a big city, it doesn't mean you have to go to, you know, get on a bus and go to the woods. Mm. You know, you can go into a park or... Yeah, yeah. You know, into a you know into some edge land even, or just buy some water or whatever it might yeah, be. Yeah. Um, so I think I think that was the sort of that's been the sort of process. And then I've been experimenting more over the years with um, with uh, experiences. So we start actually started a few years back with a thing called Wild Camp, which mm -hmm. was uh, the first time we did it. Was to, we took about I think it's about twenty folks who are kind of you know various uh, creative businesses. Um, and it was a simple pitch. It was like, we're going to go to the woods for a night and a day, and we're going to ask some questions about hmm. stuff that's on our minds. Right. And, uh, and it was very simple. Super simple yeah. yeah, really simple. We went to this place in, um, if you're not too far from, I think, where you're from, in uh, well, Sussex Way. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah. Blackberry yeah. Woods. Uh, yeah. No, not Blackberry Woods. Where was it? I can't remember. Anyway. Um, near the South Downs. Yeah, it was near the South Downs. Um, but um, 
And uh, yeah, and so we'd put this call out and, and a, a bunch of people through, you know, your networks had said, this sounds interesting, I'm up for this. Um, and effectively, it was about creating a space um, in the woods where people could feel like they could ask some bigger questions mm. that maybe they about, you know, the struggles they're having, the work they're trying to do, whatever yeah, it might yeah. be. Mm. Um, and with a few little, uh, a few little uh, design experiences that we put in, you know, mm. we created a medicine wheel. We went on, we went on, did some sit spots and some little, little mini solos. We did, um, mm. we did some poetry writing. We, mm. um, everyone contributed to kind of, preparing a, di a, a meal outside, camping on the, uh, cooking mm. on the fire. Simple things, right? Mm. Not rocket science. Mm. But, you know, fantastic stuff started to come out for people, mm. you know. Um, questions came out. I don't know, people felt like they could ask, you know, they could start to explore stuff that was bothering them that they felt they couldn't really explore in their workspaces. Um, yeah. They could ask bigger questions. And then there was a sense at the end of the 24 hours that, you know, there was a kind of rejuvenation. There was an energy that people were yeah, leaving yeah. with, which was like, oh, this is interesting. You know, it's like, wow, <laughs> like just spending some time outside. Yeah, you know, why, why aren't I doing this more it's often? It's so simple, but so powerful. <laughs> I remember, so during the startup drive that we yeah. went, um, we had one evening, it was quite early on in the program, where we just go out to this uh, local farm and we kind of have a campfire um, around, you know, having marshmallows. And we, it was kind of a storytelling evening. Yeah. But the the kind of the the vulnerability that people that people shared and yeah. the you know the depth of um, emotion and some of the bonding that happened in that evening it couldn't have happened in you know in the city or in our normal mm. kind of workspace environment and like you say it's so powerful and it doesn't take you know that much complex facilitating it's yeah. just being outside being able to smell the fresh air yeah kind of having the stars up there yeah it's no it's super it's super powerful. Yeah, and, and I think that I think that's it. I mean, my, I mean, I'm always, I've always been interested in, in questions. I'm always in, I'm always interested in in um, trying to go a little bit deeper, um, mm. and um, you know what's really sort of going on. And uh, and and I and I think there's just you know I think that's just how we're wired. You know, we've 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 evolved for most of our life. Most of our evolution has been you know interacting with non-human stuff. You know, <laughs> plants. You know, trees, water, yeah, you know, landscapes, yeah. rocks. Yeah. You know. That's what we did, yeah. and I think there's a there's a kind of um, my sense is, is that you know when when you're working more outside, uh, you know we we open up quicker. Mm. I think we you can get to some deeper stuff much quicker. People I think mm. uh, open up and they're sort of prepared to kind of um, to be maybe more honest uh, about how they really feel. And, I, and I'm convinced it's a combination of all kinds of interactions and stuff that we can't quite understand why it's happening. You know, mm. but these are spaces and, and environments that, you know, we, we developed out of, you know, yep. as we evolved in these spaces. So I think there's something for me just very clear about that, you know. Yep. Um, so it's about, I think now it's about, is how can we bring this stuff into much more into practice on a regular basis? So mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like we have to, you know, organize, you know, get complex about organizing, you know, a trip out of a city mm -hmm. and it's, you know, and, and it, how, how do we start to make this stuff feel like it's um, something that can be done, you know, very regularly mm -hmm. and yeah. just part of how yeah. we work. And so one of the things that we did at Escape Again was mm. having like um, walking meetings yeah. around the park. So instead of kind of having a meeting in an office room, we'd go for like a 15 minute walk around the local park and just something as simple as that of like getting out. And were they um, better meetings? Much better, yeah, yeah, much better. And there's something about move, like you know, moving as well. Yeah. Um, it's just, it, it's one of those things where you forget how much you miss being in nature until yeah. you, yeah. until you're back there, yeah. and then it's like, oh yeah, this is, this yeah. is how it feels. It's well, even like, lot, even here, you know, the, the fact we were blessed with with weather that we were working outside most of it, but even when we were, you know, when we did a couple of the the you know the bigger exercises you know some of the design exercises and stuff if you mm -hmm. think about the how fast the work came mm -hmm. out mm -hmm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. and small groups working with pace working in 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 outside in an environment that felt comfortable connected i don't mm -hmm. know it's i was i was i was yeah i think there was a it was pretty clear like that there was a a great energy in, in mm -hmm. working in those contexts so mm -hmm. yeah i'd so i'd love to i i mean i you know i want to do more of that stuff i'm always looking to I'm always looking to try and bring that in if I'm going to work with a new client or we're mm. working with a, an organization, whatever it is, always trying to find ways to, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, to, um, to bring people out into these places and just, yeah. you know, and just to start to see this stuff as, as normal. Yeah, it, that's fantastic. <laughs> it's fantastic. And I mean, some of the organizations that I know you've worked with are, 
I don't, in my opinion, I think they're some of the coolest, most innovative, like purpose-led B Corp brands out there. Mm. And myself and a lot of people in, um, you know, my kind of age, maybe mid-20s or maybe they've just graduated, they're looking to find work that they feel is impactful with these kinds of companies. Mm. And I'm just, I'm just wondering if you have any um, thoughts or maybe advice for how you manage to uh, kind of firstly build relationships with them and secondly um, create these impactful movements and, and projects if, if you were kind of to rewind the clock a decade or two. Yeah, God. Um, it's interesting, isn't it? It's, uh, so I think the thing for me, um, so I've got a funny old journey and, you know, a work journey. It's like, it's, you know, it's, it's just a proper mashup. You know, I started mm. off in music, yep. ended up in, you know, as a DJ, ended up working in independent uh, music distribution and licensing. Right. I went into kind of like uh, internet radio, startup. <laughs> then I sort of always had a breakdown <laughs> after all that. Uh, was, to... was there anything that sparked the, the breakdown? Well, God, yeah, it was, yeah. Uh, sort of trying to build a startup that was about 10 years ahead of its time okay. with very little funding. <laughs> it's not good, not a good mix. Um, yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, I was on the back of, I, I'd been sort of journeying quite hard. Uh, I sort of came out of, you know, I, I did go to university and I came out and I pursued music and that's quite a, you know, fickle, mm. tricky kind of um, uh was a tricky industry um and i was sort of part artist performer nights djing and then part mm. trying to kind of find the commercial way in, in the industry as well so i worked in you know for labels and distribution and then i started trying to build a label up myself and a sound design business and a music syncing business and sort of so i was kind of like you know had these two dimensions performer and kind of entrepreneur yep. if you like um, and I think that's really, uh, A, is that that whole kind of struggle almost mm. um, was a part of the burnout for me mm. um, because I wasn't really sure, you know, actually, you know, I think my heart always wanted to perform more, but mm. but, but I've always I was brought up, you know, my father was very, very business-minded, very entrepreneurial, and that mm. was a sort of, you know, it's a very strong, you've got to work ethic, you've got to, you know, got to yep. get money. And, and so... Although I never, re I, I kind of rejected a lot of that and didn't ever really pursue money. Um, but I did have a very kind of, um, I guess, an entrepreneurial mindset. Yeah, yeah. Always looking for kind of how can I, how can I do this stuff that I want to do? Or, yeah. So I was interested even at that time in how music, uh, music could be doing more with commercial organisations in more creative ways of using music. And that's sort of the journey I went on. And uh but I, I, yeah, so I had a sort of, I pretty much did have a breakdown at the end of that because we, we couldn't raise any more funding. We had to put the business to bed. I was working with my brother and mm. uh, it was a very, it was, it was a lot of, there was a lot of, um, yeah, it was a, you know, there's a huge amount of energy and emotion that had gone into the whole thing, you know, and I just, and I actually got very ill. So I became, I became sick and I, and I got diagnosed type one diabetes. Mm. And so I, I sort of mm. been on this sort of, uh, crazy mission, but that flipped me then to needing to sort my stuff out mm. and getting some stability. Mm. So mm. the world of brands calls, you know, this is what happens, doesn't it? Um, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, need some money. Uh, so no, I, 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 a lot of my peers, I studied a marketing degree and a lot of my peers had gone into advertising. Right. So this was like late nineties and I ended up uh, working or, or or getting a job offer from what was I guess a sort of well a small research brand research agency and they're like kind of user research and um and they had a bunch of technology clients and a bunch of kind of music and youth clients mm -hmm. and so they were like well look you know all that shit and <laughs> we know how to do kind of work research you know um, people and culture and mm -hmm. users and stuff so we'll train you up on that yep. but we think our clients will really like where your head is yep. you know. So that was it. So I started working. The main client base was Nokia and PlayStation and BBC and Virgin. Okay. And so like, you know, it was all quite sort of interesting, big, big brands. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the work was very future focused, which cool. suited me, cool. gave me a bit of a background, gave me some stability. So I spent four years and, you know, had some stability, got a salary. That was quite nice. You know, <laughs> that before. And, uh, <laughs> and traveled a lot, which was really interesting, you know, so, so I guess um, that's when I started to get the, the understanding of how these big brands actually work. Because I was always drawn to brands and communication. You know, it's really, you know, you, I think you get pulled into that stuff. And mm. But what I started to figure out was these, you know, actually I was starting to realise, I was starting to see the inner workings of 
massive corporations, mm. which was kind of interesting to me because I'd never really, I don't know why, but I hadn't really, un, you know, I guess I've connected more with the sort of outward expression of the company, how that brand is, what its product's what like, story is, what's what its story, it exactly. Yeah. And then you start yeah. getting the inner workings because you're right. sort of working with teams that are trying to build more products. and yeah. kind of like Under the hood. Yeah, the exactly. Place. Yeah, exactly. So I was kind of like, I was slightly freaked out actually after a while because um, it, it felt like there was... Um, Actually, there was a there was um there was a bit of soul missing, you know. I think mm. I've come very much from sort of music, very sort of you know quite a creative, creative thing, driven. a driven kind yeah, of expressive, yeah. you know, lots yeah. of emotion. And then suddenly I'm in these kind of environments where it's become very logical and rational. And right. actually, the people behind the brands are all kind of like spreadsheets and numbers and yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. whatever. And of course, there's a really interesting design teams doing great stuff. But it just I don't know. It sort of spooked me a little bit, right? Um and. So, and, but but the, the the flip side was I was working with 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 a lot with um, with Nokia, and then I had the chance to I shifted from uh, uh, moved from research more into creative communications, um, still working with Nokia, and I had a chance to pitch for a bit of work around at the time was a sustainability internal sustainability uh, pitch. Mm-hmm. It was like a brief to help uh, Nokia, which at the time had about two hundred thousand employees yeah because yeah, um this is pre-iphone so yeah back like, when they went with that snake <laughs> do you know what i mean it's just like it's crazy and they had yeah. so much money they and to be fair to them they were they were investing in really extraordinarily interesting projects but cool. and everyone who worked for them which was there was so many of us working in you know agencies and consultancies and pretty much everyone was talking about Apple to them all the time. You know Apple are going to come out on the phone at some point. You know Apple are going to come out And it was like, they're just like, eh, whatever, whatever. They used to call us, this one team, they used to call Apple the, the fruit company from Cupertino. And okay. uh, yeah, exactly. It was some extraordinary Painfully sort of... Uh, yeah, exactly. But anyway, enough of that. But, uh, but I, so, so I ended up winning this bit of work with, with, this, with this really interesting client. Nokia and when we're not on this journey with um the agency I was working with at the time was Naked Communications and went mm. on this journey of um of helping them uh yeah start start a a, a culture shift around sustainability in, in the business um, right. and I I just became quite alive I suddenly sort of felt really alive with this work oh, okay. it was very noticeable I was just like well this is really interesting because this yeah, is like yeah. looking at I mean it was looking at everything you know yeah. it was looking at kind of you know, impact on, you know, how might mobile technologies help kind of, um, you know, uh, vulnerable communities or, you know, close the gap on social issues. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. You know, what's the role in, in technology in lowering people's impacts mm-hmm. environmentally, in shifting behaviour? Mm-hmm. How might we make things in, you know, completely different ways? What would services look like that would help people sort of live more connected to the planet? So yep. I was just like, you know, this is really super interesting. Yeah. But... um. But it was also, um, and I was kind of making it up massively as I went along because I didn't really know what I was doing, just sort of reading around it. And I think that's the thing. Sorry, back to, I guess I've deviated from your question, but uh, I, I, I don't know. Thing, I just think my own experience has been like, I've just followed my energy. Yeah. You know? And so, you know, and I think it, my, I got very excited by that work and I hadn't been for a while. For a long time, I've been sort of, you know, doing different pieces. So, I mean, that was something yeah. that I was going to touch on because yeah. you kind of strike me as someone who has this um, huge enthusiasm and kind mm. of this voracious curiosity mm. for all of these different projects and my head's kind of spinning, just kind of keeping track <laughs> of like <laughs> all, all of these things that you're doing. And part of me was wondering, like, if is that something that is just kind of innate in your in your DNA or is it something that's come out of mm. um, finding what you feel like are these, these questions or the, this kind of focus that's really brought that out of you? Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I yeah, it's a it's a good one, and I still wrestle with like, have I am I doing too much? What are all these things doing? You know, what's the what's what joins them together? What are the connections? Mm. I think at that point, I was still journeying. I was still trying to find my thing, mm-hmm. um, and uh, and now I guess I do have, you know, I mean, this the start of this year, end of last year, I have been starting to let some things go, so mm-hmm. things have been changing. Um, and I still have, I still have, uh, I guess, some some sort of projects that are sort of, uh, I guess, I've, I've always been blending, like, delivering services for others, but also then trying to create things as well. Mm. So, you know, um, and so I have projects like, like the Good For Nothing project, yeah, you know, yeah, which, yeah. which, you know, is just a roller coaster, and, there's, and it's still alive, but it needs love and attention and money and sure and, and just to kind of to, to <laughs> rewind like what was the what was the inception for that and how did that kind of come about and it, what what would you say um 
was maybe the reason that it resonated and kind of took on a life of its own. Yeah. So that's an interesting one. So I guess, um, so at that time of doing all this work uh, with Nokia, um, I was trying to build this out into other clients within the within the agency setup. Mm-hmm. Um, but you got to remember, this is like, yeah, I guess that's seven, yeah, probably 2000 and 2009, maybe. I don't know, 2009, 2010. Um, and and a, a lot of businesses were just not interested in, you know, doing good things. Um, I mean, they, you know, they, they sort of claimed to be, but mm. actually at that time, it was still very much seen as like, well, the question you always get is, what's the business case? What's the business case? Remember, you just go, oh, uh, but anyway, it was quite it was hard. It was hard to get um, to get clients to um, invest money, particularly in kind of brands and, and marketing budgets, into kind of doing kind of good things. Right. Um, but so I was getting quite frustrated, um, and by that, and at the same time, I'd started going to these, um, uh, started going to some hacks, uh, particularly one that used to be called. Um, a social innovation camp and it was like a weekend hack in London mm-hmm. um, where uh, mainly technologists but I was sort of designers and um, I guess folks interested in kind of social issues and stuff get together for a weekend and start off on a Friday night with a bunch of ideas of what a startup you know looking at a homeless issue in London or a vulnerable kids problem or a food issue whatever it might be yep. and by the by, by the Sunday you'd have like working prototypes Brilliant. of products and companies and stuff yeah, wow. and it absolutely blew my head off I was just like <laughs> Jesus this is nuts and what I was what I was amazed about was the yeah was the speed yeah. um, of working so from Friday to Sunday Friday to Sunday so Friday night so, yeah. idea Friday night by Sunday there'd be presentations going on Sunday afternoon of working you know, business idea, working prototype. Fantastic. How many of you in those? In that so you'd be about, you'd be about probably about 30 turned up, 30, 40 for the hack. And, you know, you'd split between, I don't know, half a dozen ideas or whatever. Cool. Um, and so that just opened me up to kind of a different way of working. Mm. But also I was really intrigued by bringing that kind of intelligence and creativity to issues, you know, to real issues. Mm. So it was, it was less, because it's still, I think the banter and when you're working in the big corporate world, it's all, you know, CSR, whatever the, what they never really got was the innovation possibilities that, sure. that are coming into this space of yeah, yeah. how you solve problems in more creative ways, how you bring people in. And so, so I got blown away by that. And then I wanted to do something, um, tried to bring the process into uh, Naked, uh, into the agency. Mm-hmm. Um, and it didn't go down too well because we used to get billed on, you know, by making things much slower and stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, uh, and funny enough, we'd had this, um, we'd had this pitch for, uh, a volunteering brand and we pitched in this idea called good for nothing, mm-hmm. which was basically like pop-up. It was like a, it was like a pop-up, um, uh, what they called like, what were those things called? Um, was it flash mobs? It was like a, yeah, the idea yeah, was like a flash mob of volunteers. Yeah. Like right? everyone would get, would get a message and yeah, then they'd descend exactly, on common guard. Exactly. Exactly. So pitch this to the thing. They didn't like it. We didn't win it. <laughs> and then I ended up leaving i lived at the agency and then i i connected up with an old uh a colleague of mine well a guy i'd done a bit of work with in the past at nokia a guy called tom farrand and um mm. uh, and he was doing some consulting work and by this point i decided i was going to go we were going to move to costa rica in a year I was waiting for my third kid to arrive right as you do <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was like well i'd love to do i really, I really want to do so he just left the big consultants he's like i'd like i want to do something you know purposeful something interesting yeah I'd like to do some kind of event. I went to this event recently and it was just all these brilliant minds, but just, you know, just talking about how brilliant they were. And it was like, well, you could do something much better. And I was like, well, I've got, I've been working on this idea called Good For Nothing. And he was like, that sounds like a good idea. And we were like, should we try and do something? Said, yeah. So we just literally <laughs> decided to uh, uh, just put a session on. So we literally put it out there. Just kind of like hack it together. Yeah, put it out there. We just, we just chose a date. I yep. said, we just, I knew the model because I'd, I'd seen how it could work. Right. So it was like, just need three, uh, three projects. Uh, and we decided that we're going to go for existing projects rather than starting with brand new ideas because mm-hmm. there was a I was seeing all these amazing projects on the ground mm-hmm. in the city in London that were doing amazing things with nothing no resources mm-hmm. like well, let's take those projects and then we'll just try and bring all this great talent around them and see what we can do in a day mm-hmm. yeah that's how we started so we mm-hmm. blagged a blagged a space off a off a friend who had an agency space on a Saturday and found these projects put it out there just you know use our networks fifty people said we'll come. Um, Tweeted a few people like Adnam saying, "Can you give us some beer? We're doing some good thing." They gave us some crates of beer. Tweeted innocence. Can you give us some smoothies? Said, "Yeah, here's some smoothies." Amazing. And then we just we just did it, and uh, a lot of people yeah. turned up. And then and it was just it was surreal. Like it was one day, 
And people actually went out in the morning. We designed the, we designed the day that you actually, first of all, you went and experienced the project okay. for the first thing. Um, and then you came back to the space and then you self, you know, you'd self organize, you'd, you'd self organize against the thing that you wanted to do. Okay. Um, and then you just got on and you had to try and just make a dent in the brief by five o'clock. And then it was a show and tell. Brilliant. Um, and so we did that and it just went nuts. And then people started going, when's the next one? Right. So we just said, oh, I'll do another one. Right. Did another one. Did another one. Then we thought, oh, let's we do it over two days and did bigger ones. Okay. And then suddenly we were just, yeah, we was it was like, oh shit, you know, there's something going on here. Right. And, um, and from that, how is it now? Kind of, what's it turned into? Yeah. Today? What is it God, well, it's been on this kind of, it's been on a roller coaster. We got some funding from uh, an organisation called Nesta, who helped us kind of, who helped us take it out of London into other cities. Mm -hmm. So they helped us create a chapter model to it, mm -hmm. which I, in, in ref, you know, in reflection, you think, oh, was that the right thing to do at the time? It was definitely the right thing to do, but. Um, we, we've tried to sort of, you know, um, create a toolkit for the model to be able to just be picked up by people in cities and Correct. say, I want to do good for nothing. Yeah. And you choose what you want to point it at. Yeah. It's got to have a social purpose or environmental purpose. It's got to make a dent in an existing project. Cool. Um, and it spread. So at one point it was in nine countries, 30 cities. Whoa. Um, it's a lot of those cities are quite dormant at the moment. We've got about probably four or five that are sort of active mm. and we've been trying to bring new formats in. So we, we developed Good For Nothing in a pub, which is a great little product. <laughs> it's, like, it's a pub version. We just thought, where is everyone? They're all drinking beer. So let's just take it to them and fucking do it in the pub. And, uh, That's brilliant. Uh, and we've created a new model last year. We partnered up actually with a, with a chain of cafes in the Southwest called Boston Tea Party. And we, so the idea was like, could we nest chapters within your cafe spaces? Oh, fantastic. Because you've got these spaces and they're on quite yeah. a big purpose drive as a brand. Yeah. Um, so we tried that and that's worked brilliantly. We created a new format where projects come in and they, they have like, it's like an open mic thing. They pitch oh, at night amazing. what they're trying to do, what help they need. And then we bring people in who listen to it all and then people go and feed back to each project. Oh. They can give them their number and say, I can help you. And 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 immediately everyone gets a bit it's, of love. It's almost and, like a throwback to the Enlightenment era when all, all of this innovation happened in coffee shops. Right, exactly. Like... Well, exactly, exactly right. That's exactly right. So we are like, you know, so that so that's been really that pilot's been really successful, and we're hoping to do some more stuff with Boston because they they're really trying to push things. And, right. um, and so I don't know with the legacy, the legacy of Good for Nothing. It's one thing with you know it is a thing I'm trying to um, lock down because it has so much potential as a as a thing. And mm. the most interesting thing about Good for Nothing is the power of being generous on people. Yeah. So that's that's for me the most interesting thing that's come out of this whole process. It's not mm. the fact that those people have helped all these projects, which mm. is great. Mm. It's like what it does to you when you start being generous with what you're good at. Right. So when you when you start opening up your ideas and giving them away to someone yeah, yeah, yeah. or or you just, you know, connect them with someone you know, mm. or you just give them a little bit of mentoring for half an hour that makes them go, shit, I'm gonna keep doing this. You know, whatever it is, the impact it has on on you as as the as the gifter. We've mm. we've you know we've been collecting data on this thing, and it's extraordinary. You know, it's just like it transforms people. So, mm. so that's what I'm really interested in is these kind of generosity sort of. It's like an infrastructure that could help us be more generous. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it can just yeah. The project is just it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a passion project. It's frustrating as hell at times because. <laughs> You know, it, people still, it, it, you know, it runs on nothing, but it needs, it needs something, you know, because it needs an engine to keep it, yeah, yeah. keep it going. So I don't know where it's going to head next. We're sort of on the, we're on the sort of trying to lock down some kind of legacy way of, of, of keeping it evolving. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, um, it's, it's a bit of a beast. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, it sounds like it. And you, you casually slipped into that, into that story that you were, you kind of started this off shortly before relocating your entire family to, to Costa Rica. And I kind of yeah. wanted to touch yes. on that before yeah. moving on, because that to me, it feels like <laughs> a, a ridiculously like courageous thing to do, I think, um, you know, particularly for someone with, with young kids. Mm. And I just love to, I know we talked a bit about this on the walk, but yeah. I'd love to just hear about what was going through your mind as you were kind of making this decision and yeah. what like pushed you over the edge and, you know, what did you get from the experience? Wow. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, it was, it was, a, it was a, it was an amazing thing to do, and I'm so pleased we did it. Mm -hmm. um, but at the time, and it was, you know, it wasn't just my, it was my wife, Seema. It was, you know, there's definitely the two of us trying to figure out mm. what what next for us, and not that not that things were bad, because it's like, you know, we were, we, you know, we're 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 lucky people, you know, we mm. we we were in an all right place, and but I think we were just um, something was like, okay, either. Well, I was burning out, as I said, uh, again, um, hmm. I had two young kids, so the third on the way, 
Um, and I was just working all the time yeah. and I wasn't really quite sure who I was, whose purpose I was kind of following really for the work. You know, I was kind of getting really caught up in client work and stuff. Mm. And, mm. and that was, that was burning me out. At the same time, I'd say I'd been, I was doing this masters, which, uh, which had completely was unraveling me like crazy. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, and I'd just done a week down in, at Schumacher college on Gaia theory, which totally had, like blew my head off. And I came back from that just thinking, what am I doing? You know, right, what are we right. doing? What am I doing? What right. am I, what am I doing as a, what, you know, how am I going to parent? How, am I, how do I want to live? What, what, you know, sure. it's just opening up questions. And, and what was the master's in? Just it was called questions? sustainability and responsibility. Mm. Um, but it was, it's, a, it's an action learning master's and it's, it's quite, it's quite well known. This one as a, there's quite a, it's got a really interesting alumni network of folks mm. that have been through it. Mm. It was actually started originally by Anita Roddick uh, as a sort of a way of bringing activism into business. Right. Um, so she, it was about how you create kind of, yeah, active change in, 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 in business. And so it was a lot of it was, it started in that space and then it moved on into kind of like, um, yeah, how do you, how do you change things? And that yeah. could be as simple as changing your, yourself or your, 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 the way you work or your community or, or a massive organization or, going after a huge issue you know but yeah. the, the, the idea is how do we how do we create change and how do we look after ourselves through that process and yeah. so it's very deep um i mean brilliant i it was an amazing experience of learning and i and i and it also was the the, the first learning experience i'd had at 35 where i was like this is extraordinary this mm. is an extraordinary way of learning why 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 am i 35 in my experiences why can't kids experience this you know and yeah. So anyway, it opened a lot of questions. Yeah, yeah. A lot of my inquiry in my in my work and the masters was getting deeply back to nature. Yeah. Um, so I was asking myself, I was journeying really hard into that relationship between human world, non-human world. What's my place there? Um, how's that affecting me? Um, and so, and then after we'd been to Costa Rica, uh, my brother and sister had gone traveling the year before, had got to Costa Rica and hadn't moved. We'd gone out and visited them and they were like, well, we're here um you could be here um so all these things were kind of were coming together and we just thought well the kids are really young actually if we wait will we go will we wait and then we were in this kind of frame of mind that was just like now's the moment um yeah. but anyway i had my my daughter willow was on the way so we waited for her <laughs> to be born <laughs> and then we waited three months and then I, we left i think she was four four months five months when we left wow. um and we lived in this beautiful little kind of like little tree house in the jungle right by the beach on the pacific and the nicoya peninsula fantastic um and it was a time to just it was a time you know the big thing for us was like we wanted to reconnect to the family wanted to spend some time i hadn't really been around for my first two i'd just been working all the time mm. So I wanted to be more hands-on and um, and we wanted to just be somewhere where we could strip strip back all these kind of fast modern world layers, get rid of them and just be in a much more kind of um, natural environment. You know, you're up at half five when it gets light and you're in bed by 7, 7.30, you know, it's pitch black at yeah, six. You're and just in sync. With you're in sync. And what was that like? And how did that feel? And, you know, and so that was... Um, and because I was finishing my, my finishing my master's out there, mm. it also gave me a chance to really kind of get quite deep into that inquiry. Yeah, and I guess you're kind of living the kind of things that you're reading yeah, and studying. Yeah, because I was also thinking, my, I, there was other thing, I was like, I'm doing this master's, but you know, you're running around again, frantic, and you're like, am I really getting the most out of this process? Yep. So, um, so that was it. That was the that was the that was the vibe. Um, and uh, yeah, I think it, it did us when we came back. You know, I mean, it's made us, I think, as a family a lot more resilient like we kind of like we were definitely um we're definitely more open as a family to to trying things we're definitely more comfortable with uncertainty and stuff like that mm. we're really good at sleeping in loads of different beds because uh <laughs> which we still do back at home it's like everyone just constantly moves around everyone's beds and because that's in costa rica we lived in like there was like two beds for like five of us so uh <laughs> so often that that thing still goes on now back at home if i'm just goes i'm sleeping there it's like, all right i'll sleep up there again, so. musical beds yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly, which i quite like actually yeah fantastic so you mentioned um schumacher college which has come up in conversation um with a bunch of my friends recently, mm. and I'm fascinated by their their approach to learning, and it sounds like it had a big impact on you. And I I know that you're 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 actually teaching or you're guest lecturing this course on co-creating the emerging future, mm. which to me sounds yeah. just it's got great name, it sounds it? bloody amazing. Yeah, like <laughs> I, I want to go. And so, could you just like give me and give the listeners a bit of a snapshot of what Schumacher is, what they're trying to create, yeah. and also what it is that you're you're teaching and you're talking about there. Yeah. So yeah, I mean it's um 
it's a very special place. Um, it's down, it's in um, South Devon. It's uh, very close to Totnes. Um, and it's set on the Dartington Estate. So it's a beautiful uh, spot. Um, and um, uh, the college is in the name of E.F. Schumacher. Um, and, um, you know, he was, I guess, a, a very sort of progressive thinking economist. Um, uh, but, you know, he wrote this... Um, you know, Small is Beautiful, uh, which is a fantastic read. I thoroughly recommend. Okay. Um, and um, so he, yeah, he's, so the college was set up um, as, a, as a sense of a kind of sustainable learning, I mm. guess what you'd call it. Um, and they have a couple of master's programs. Um, they have one in permaculture. They have, uh, they've got a really interesting one now around, um, I can't remember what the actual name of it is, but it's like a sort of new, a new, a new type of politics. Is it again all embedded in kind of more systems thinking? And mm -hmm. uh, they do tons of short courses, so you know, week courses, weekends, and it's all a lot of um, they curate in a lot of uh, sort of uh, uh, people that they'll bring in from all over the world who are kind of like exploring very different um, parts, I guess, of a, of a new way of living and working, and it's super diverse. Mm. Um, and so, I mean, you have a course there at the moment. It's called, um, you know, um, Becoming Indigenous. You know, it's like an eight-week course, you know. I mean, it's, these kind of names, you know, co-creating the emerging future. And, uh, and But what I love about the college as well is not only is it a beautiful place, it brings, it attracts people from all over the world. Yeah. But it's run as a community. So when you go and learn there, um, you aren't like, if you, you know, if you do any kind of... Um, you know, like exec education or whatever, you know, you can't just go to these business schools and, you know, and it's all a bit swanky and it all feels a bit weird. Do you know what I mean? Because you're sort of <laughs> shepherded off to these lovely rooms and stuff. The thing at Schumacher is you have to get involved. You know, right. you, so you have to rotor up, you have to, you have to prepare food, mm. you have to clean up, you have, mm. to, you have to clean up, you have to like do gardening. Um, and uh, that's brilliant because what happens is you realise that people love it. Right, <laughs> like yeah, They yeah, love yeah. it. Because yeah. yeah. like they start having conversations yeah. while they're doing this stuff. And yeah. they start going, and they start getting deep into stuff. And right. they start thing, revealing things, you right. know, and learning things off each other. And you go, yeah, there's a reason why, you know, communities build themselves through these sort of practices. I guess it's, you know? it's like the equivalent of body surfing, it like levels the playing Yeah, to to well, they're totally, to totally. And it's just, so that was really interesting for me. And then obviously the, uh, you know, they use, a, bring a lot, they're really big into kind of what I think they would call um, different ways of knowing, you know, so they're mm. really big into how we can, you know, other forms of knowledge beyond kind of logic and head knowledge. So they're right. really into okay. kind of like, yeah, different ways of knowing, different forms of intelligence, intelligence that we have in our bodies. Okay. You know, um, I always remember like, again, like in the first first week of being, you know, uh, my tutor was saying, you know, we want you to um, to notice and collect all forms of data. And when we when we mean that, we mean like, if you're feeling stuff in your belly, for instance, that's data. Right. And you should it's, be like noticing feedback that. that you yeah, right, right. Yeah. And so again, for me, like, you know, a bit, you know I've always been much more comfortable from, working from that place mm. but I've always felt in my younger years that you couldn't really you shouldn't trust it you couldn't you trust it or only yeah and if you did and if you like did reveal level. if you revealed that if you mm. revealed oh I feel like this or my heart says this then like we should laugh that exactly so so suddenly you're in a learning space where that's being encouraged yeah. um and then um so yeah so I think so so Schumacher is a, it's a very interesting it's a very interesting setup um and uh and then the stuff I do now so um um so lady Jenny McEwen, who I actually met when I was doing my master's and she ran a, she ran a session on Joanna Macy's work um, called The Work That Reconnects. And she came and did a, a like a workshop session Joanna on Macy's the, amazing, yeah, yeah. at Schumacher. Mm. And I met her through that and we just connected and stayed in touch. And then she now um, uh, has, she's uh, designed and, and hosts this Co-Creating the Emerging Future course. And she just called me up and said, you know, would you come and, um, host a day and a night on the on the course and tell me roughly what was you know the sort of frame of the thing and mm. um, and uh, she said you know I want you to bring the kind of you know these new more open ways of working and mm. collaboration and you know learning from the natural world when we're designing and all those kinds of stuff and so I was like brilliant you know I'd love to um, and so I've done it yes yeah, it'll be my fourth year this year um, and it's just super interesting it sort of attracts people from all over and Again, you know, different ages, different backgrounds, different countries, but they're all sort of coming because they're, you know, they, they're either 
trying to take their organization somewhere or they have a side project that they want to sort of turn into something and yeah so it's, it's great it's just you work you work with real live things with people in a really open environment and hopefully you know we, we get outside a lot in the work i mean yeah, most a lot yeah. of it's done outside and Amazing. so yeah so that's that's schumacher but check it out i mean if you're interested in anyone that's interested in kind of like you know widening their lens on what learning could be yeah yeah so um, that was kind of yeah. what i wanted to almost close with one of the mm. questions that we've been talking about here um and something that i'm really personally very interested in is this idea of how would you try and redesign a curriculum that was fit for the future and it sounds like schumacher is like certainly one really interesting perspective or mm. they're kind of like living that question as well mm. and the fact that you had this huge revelation when you were like in your mid-30s about wow i wish i'd experienced this when i was younger mm. what do you think we can um what can we learn from that and what are some of these other ways of of learning and some of these things that we should be teaching our kids mm. um that's currently being kind of left out of most traditional education experiences yeah it's a good question <laughs> <laughs> how long have we got <laughs> Um, got about 10 minutes before you're going to get the airport. I'll get so. the taxis coming, yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, God, I mean, do you know what? I think, I think the, the first thing that I have experienced through, through the, learning, the learning I've done in my, you know, the sort of more, you know, the courses I've done, the master's program, the experiences at Schumacher, and also I guess the work that I've been doing uh, around more um, very open collaborative processes and co-designing and mm. stuff. And what I've found out, what's been at the, the heart of all these things is is, is more inquiry-based ways of learning. Right. So it's basically, yeah, it's more having kind of, um, having a question or a hypothesis or a, a something that you're wanting to kind of understand or explore um, and um, experimenting with it. So mm. um, whether that's through, you know, creating some kind of experiment that that uh, allows you to understand more about that question. So in a you know in a kid you know in a, in a school environment, children it can be more as simple as just you know exploring um, a question that they're that they're holding. You know, something that they're really sort of right wanting to understand. Like, curious about which kids seem to be in my experience. Yeah. But often I like I feel like we're taught to value giving answers and yeah. like trains to take exams and get good results rather than asking these interesting questions yes. and pursuing those things. Exactly. So I think that exactly that. So, it's what, so whether, whether, whether you're a kid or, or, whether, or whether you're, you know, you're um, looking at, you know, developing your own thing, whether that's a, you know, a product or a project or whatever it could be. But what, what is it, that, first of all, that you're, that's kind of, you know, making you feel alive? What's the question you're really wanting to explore or what's the idea that you want to put into the world, whatever yeah. it might be. So I think starting with that and then creating some form of inquiry. So, you know, I mean, in um, with kids in school, it could be simple as like, um, you know, these accelerated learning environments where they might just have access for for a short period of time to information, so internet, whatever. Just mm -hmm. like find find stuff around this question, yep. you gather, know? <laughs> gather it, some like starting yeah, points, gather it, yep. gather it in, and yep. then and then from there, some form of um, some form of sense making synthesis. What's this telling us? What am I? What am I? What have I got here? Yep. And working also within with groups, right? Because mm -hmm. this is about collaborative learning, which I think is key also to this stuff. We need to be working more in in in, uh, in, in groups and less of this kind of solo pursuit. And you must know the answers, you know, because what can that diversity do with this information? Mm. And then some form of some form of co creation. So how will I? How can I then critique or make sense of and mm. then play back what I've learned. So mm. whether that's just, you know, creating something visual or whether it's kind of, you know, it could be a written thing, it could be pictures, it could be a performance, it could be whatever it might, whatever you feel is the right expression to, mm. to share that learning. Mm. And I think, so there's that, th these sort of processes and then, and, then, and then the opportunity to reflect on what happened. You know, mm. what, what happened in that process? What did we learn? What surprised us? Mm. You know, what, what now, you know, if the question we had, you know, an hour ago or whatever it was, you know, what's, what's, the, do we still have the same question or, sure. you know, how are things changing? And yeah, so this yeah. just living more as an inquiry, working more as an in, in, inquiry ways, like, yeah. and then using all this other forms of data, like feeling and sensing. And, yeah. You know, Which we usually don't pay any attention yeah, to. Yeah, right. Yeah. But we're like sensory creatures, you know, we've got all these, we've got all these senses and, you know, again, sedentary uh, sort of learning where you're looking to the front or you're yeah, yeah. you're in front of a screen or whatever you know we're yeah. blocking we're, we're shutting down a lot of our yeah, yeah. sort of sensory capabilities which, which kind of I guess brings us back to something that you were talking to the rest of the group about last night which is this idea of like 
rewilding ourselves mm-hmm. and i love this uh this campaign that you're you've kind of launched really re- maybe this morning <laughs> about um how can we kind of get kids to uh experience um the oceans mm-hmm. and the rivers and and the lakes mm-hmm. and yeah could you just share a little bit about this project that you just launched and, yeah you know maybe how some of our listeners who might be living in cities at the moment might be able to bring a bit more um wilderness into their own lives rather than thinking that the wild is like out there, Over there. Yeah. yeah right no it's brilliant um so yeah so this is um this is a piece of work been uh working on with um my wild labs uh venture which is a project i have with uh, a guy called steve king and we've been six six seven months now evolving it and we've been doing a lot of work around um uh it's a it's an academic concept called ocean literacy. We're working with the foundation. Mm. What effectively is it's a it's a bunch of science principles that are around you know the relationship the ocean has with the land and the services it provides. You know the the life giving properties it has that help us on live on land. And it's kind of like stuff that we just seem to have forgotten about or maybe never even knew anyway. And and the job we've been doing is trying to explore how we might accelerate that level that understanding of our relationship to the ocean in the UK and particularly around, you know, when you're looking at um, uh, places that are m- way more removed from the sea, you know, it's a des- the sea is a destination. Mm. Um, so we've been on this kind of discovery for the last few months and working with a bunch of um, marine NGOs as well who've been looking at all this stuff. And our, and our, and our role is really, we're trying to find ways to, to bring this kind of literacy into culture mm. um, in ways that people can start to grasp this stuff and therefore start to either get more of the benefit of their relationship, start to change their behaviours that aren't good for the ocean, start yeah. to learn more about what they can they can can be doing. And so, um, so yeah, and um, we're going to be putting that, the findings of all that work out in the middle of June um, under the moniker uh, We Are Ocean, um, which we're working on right now. But one of the... Uh, we had a couple of sort of design sprints at the end of the process to think, okay, well, how would we then take all this learning about this human ocean connection that people seem to have forgotten about? So I'm, what I'm talking about here is things like, you know, that the ocean determines most of the climate on land, that the ocean provides half of the oxygen we breathe, you know, that the, <laughs> the, the, the water and the, uh, and, and, and the stuff we see around us is, you know, it's the ocean that's providing this, this whole Absolutely. cycle. And it's, so these, the, yeah. these things, which are sort of fundamental concepts uh-huh. that make us go, actually, we are a watery planet. It's we are the blue planet. It's kind of useful, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of useful to know, isn't it? Um, and so these kind of, so, there, so we're working on that. And so it's this human ocean connection, which is what we're trying to explore more through the work and how do we yeah. bring that to life? Yeah, yeah. And so out of that, there's a, there's a bunch of different um, uh, areas we've been exploring. We've been looking at cities and, and what's, the, what's the kind of need for, how do you bring this stuff into cities? How do we create new kind of language and stories around the ocean? Mm, yeah. Um, and there's a whole big bit on education. And out of that, uh, 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 process has come an opportunity to do something quite quickly yep. um, with schools, which is um, World Ocean Day, which is on June the 8th, which is like four weeks away. Um, and the idea is simply like what we're trying to do is kickstart a conversation mm. about humans and their relationship to the ocean um, through a, a fun schools activation on June the 8th. So that's a complete experiment. I have no idea what's going to happen, but um, it's gone live today, and it's a simple thing. We're you know we're trying to we're trying to invite schools to do one, two, or three things. Yep. One thing is just host an assembly on on this this whole thing. So yep. we're creating a fun film which brings all this kind of science to life in hopefully quite a playful way. Yeah, yeah. Um, that you know school can just have an assembly, have a discussion, yep. and just start that chat. The second thing is like dress up for the ocean. So we're trying to encourage um, kids to, you know, simply just wear something blue or if they want to get, and they've got the parents who've got the patience and uh, to, to help them make an outfit, then uh, dress up as, uh, you know, as, as, as whatever you want, you know, just some, something connects to the ocean. I love that. Yeah. And then the third, and then the third piece is run a, have an ocean lesson. And so we're curating a bunch of different let- lesson content with mm-hmm. our marine NGO partners. So there'll be stuff for primary, stuff for secondary, and it'll be simple stuff, you know, just bits and pieces that they can actually just pick and choose and, yeah. and host, decide to host a lesson yeah. on the ocean. And so that's kind of all we're doing. It's just, it's just like, let's see if we can get that conversation going because we are, you know, again, as in our cities, we, we, um, we tend to see the ocean as a destination. We don't sort of realise that actually, you know, we've got this intimate relationship with it. Yeah, we're we're breathing we're made of salt, salt air. Water <laughs> yeah, well, exactly. Right? Seven, yeah, exactly. Water. Exactly. So water bloods, you know, 60, 70% water. Yeah. We are watery creatures. And so that's what we want to, um, that's what I'm starting. And then we want to hopefully through the process of this literacy work as well is 
is wake people up, I guess, a bit to the, the possibilities of water that's all around us, yeah. you know, rivers, mm. streams, lakes, ponds, mm. it's all there. Mm. Uh, and there's, you know, as we know, and we've shared some of the work, you know, that's been talked about, like Wallace Nichols' Blue Mind work and, mm -hmm. you know, all this, all the research and Eastkey's work and all the stuff that's building around the positive impact on our health and well-being of mm. being, you know, near water or in water, yeah. not even necessarily the ocean, but just, you know, any form. And so that's quite exciting, I think, because it's quite, you know, you think about that and you particularly think about our, you know, the UK, um, it's it's full of water. I mean, if you pulled up the the tarmac and and dug up the concrete in London, you know, it, it's water everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> it's all under us, it's, you know, it's yeah, all around yeah, us. Yeah. Because we don't see it, yeah. it's it's out of mind. So so that's what this work's about. And um, yeah, who knows where it's going, but we're really, really sort of excited by it. So um, no, that's, yeah. that's amazing. And I'm looking forward to it. As soon as I get home myself, I'm going to um, jump in the, the ponds in Hampstead Heath. Like, that's <laughs> something that I, I love to do. And I feel like it's probably going to be quite chilly. This yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, just, um, it just wakes you up. And just there's something about being immersed in water i know it's well i jumped so... into the pool here every morning yeah and, and so it's super I, cold but yeah i thought but i've just really was amazed you. amazed by the impact of it you know yeah, just yeah. like you just think wow you know it, it, there's something in it i mean what was the thing that um the honey was talking about was it about um the the effect on when you when you put, was it you put your face into water what was that? yeah so it, it activates the mammalian dive reflex which uh has all of these amazing effects on your body so your heart rate lowers um you get this uh, all of the blood kind of goes to your internal organs. Um, it act activates the parasympathetic nervous system. Like there's all of these crazy effects which we've evolved with over yeah. the years. But again, we've just kind of forgotten about. It, We're basically fish. And because uh, <laughs> and, 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 and I was reading just, the just, Philip, Philip Hall's work, so he was talking about this. Uh, uh, he was talking about um, a, a marine biologist. Um, I think it's Callum Roberts, but has been looking at kind of um, what was it? Subcutaneous fat layers in humans. Right. I think they're sort of like I don't know. 50% or something greater than any other land mammal. And he said more akin to that of a fin whale. <laughs> and he's like, so there's a reason for that. And he's yes. like, and, and you know, there's a reason why we can, we can dive and we can swim. Yeah, and yeah. it must be in his view, um, that we, we evolved from aquatic apes. You yeah. know, we lived on the edges of water. Yeah. Um, well, you know, I think that's, that's just, that's pretty out there, isn't it? it if we is. can, like, it and is. you start to unpack all this stuff. And like you say, all these, the impacts that water can have on us that's oh, that's quite exciting about where that stuff could go yeah and on on that bombshell of, <laughs> of we essentially being fish um i'm conscious that you've got to jump in a taxi yeah, to yeah. Lisbon, lisbon airport shortly yeah so um just before we wrap up here is there anywhere that um firstly people can learn more about you and the work you're doing and also if they're interested in telling a teacher about this uh, this world oceans day campaign where should they find out yeah brilliant well if you want if you want to find out a bit more about me it's um you can you can do at danburgess.earth um and then the world ocean day is um world ocean day dot school Perfect. so um yeah oh, please nice. uh please do just get in touch fantastic well this has been an absolute pleasure and yeah we will wrap the show with that Thank thanks you. thanks johnny <laughs> awesome dude the question that i'd love to leave you with to ponder over it is this what are some of your favourite ways to rewild yourself or get closer to nature? Share any thoughts on Twitter or Instagram tagging me at Johnny Miller. That's J-O-N-N-Y-M-1-L-L-E-R. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. It would mean a lot to me if you could take a few seconds to open up your podcast app and give Curious Humans a shiny five-star rating. This not only helps more people to find it, but it will help me to get more awesome guests in the future. And if you're not already subscribed, then the Curious Humans newsletter is where I share monthly morsels of interestingness and podcast updates. You can sign up for that at johnny.life. That's J-O-N-N-Y dot life. All right, thanks for listening. And here's a preview of what to expect in the next episode. As we were approaching the encampment, um, the men were coming to us privately and saying, you know, I, I do all these crazy, I, you know, jump out of airplanes and free fall to the treetops and open my chute. And it's exhilarating. You know, I do all these, you know, crazy, intense kind of macho army dude kinds of things. And I love it. But this silent retreat, I'm afraid I'm just going to go bonkers on you.